Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello, welcome to the ESPN Footy Pod. I am not Matt Walsh, I'm Marissa Lord-Danik and that can only mean one thing. AFLW is almost back and so is the AFLW edition of the ESPN Footy Pod. It was only 128 days ago that Adelaide lifted their third Premiership Cup, which was such an exciting thing. But we're now less than two weeks away from the next season of AFLW, and it's going to be an historic couple of months for footy. We'll finally have all 18 teams vying for that Premiership. It's been a crazy few months in between these two seasons, but there's so much to talk about, so much to look forward to, so we have to preview it all. I'm not alone for today's pod. I'm joined by a new member of the ESPN Footy Pod. You'll be reading all of her work on ESPN.com.au, but she's joining us for the pod as well. Sarah Burt, stoked to have you on the pod. Are you ready to talk some footy? Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. Let's get into it. I'm so excited. Before we do crack into all the chat, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, so the Boonwurrung and Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. So we've got 18 teams, so we've got to make it a little bit snappy because you all don't have days and days to listen to a podcast, so we'll crack straight into this preview. We've got a 10-round season, which nobody loves, but We'll talk about that another day. We'll have a top eight, a four-week final series, and there's just so many interesting storylines in this season. So let's start off with the contenders for season 2022 2.0, which is a tongue twister that I'm going to stuff up at some point. So let's start with last season's premieres, Adelaide Crows. They did it again They simply seem unstoppable. There were concerns about what the introduction of Port Adelaide would do to them. But, Sarah, what do you think? Is this the end of the Adelaide Crows dynasty or will they just continue on their merry way? I think they'll continue on their merry way. I'm not convinced that they will win the Premiership again this year, but I think we've got a lot of water to go under the bridge. Before we find that out, we've got four expansion teams that we really, outside of seeing individual performances, have no idea how they'll gel until we um, really get into it. So in some ways it's going to be really hard to preview this season and, and hard to predict what it's going to look like, but I absolutely think that Adelaide, um, I think you'd be remiss to say that um, they aren't the team with the most depth. And I think they still really are. They've obviously lost Erin Phillips, um, which is probably the biggest storyline in the off-season, but really, if we can call it an off-season. <laughs> but really, um, they've still got Chelsea Randall. They've still got Anne Hutchard. They've still got Ev Marinoff. Um, and that kind of depth, you really, really can't replace. So um, I think that they're still really hot contenders. Um, their midfield is nothing short of elite and their forward line is just dynamic. So um, as much as they'll be really upset to have lost Aaron to the port, I think they're absolutely still looking as strong as ever. I really agree because I feel like a lot of the chat last season was like Port's going to come in and just absolutely tear through the crows basically and just really decimate them but I feel like those fears were a little bit unfounded they never really came to fruition and you know looking at the the squad list for the crows you read it and it's like you almost not that you forget that Aaron Phillips isn't there anymore but there's just so many good players that you really think to yourself 
there doesn't seem to be any weak spots in this team. There doesn't seem to be any kind of obvious holes. There's really strong players across every line. Like you mentioned, you've still got your Chelsea Randalls and your Mariana Rejic's down back. The midfield, the fact that they kept both Marinoff and Hatch hard, that's going to be a phenomenal midfield combination because we know it has been for so many seasons. And then up forward, obviously, there's still so much talent there. The emergence of Ash Woodland from last season, we can only, well, the Crows will be hoping that she continues on her merry way as well. So I really don't see them kind of dropping out of contention either. But I also agree with you. I don't think they'll be making the grand final, but I do still think they'll be very much in uh, deep in November, which is a weird thing to say because I'm so used to saying September, but I do think they will be deep in the finals kind of situation and conversation. But let's move on to our next team. It was the team they vanquished in our last grand final, the D's. It was it was a big season for the D's and there was so much, again, kind of, um, I suppose, fairy tale narratives almost put on this team with Daisy Pierce, with Taylor Harris coming across. So can they go one better in this Season 7 edition of the AFLW? Yeah, I'm really excited about the D's this season and I think everyone's going to be buoyed by that storyline that um, was... I was going to say haunting, not haunting, but it certainly followed the D's all of last season was whether it was going to be Daisy Pierce's last year. Um, obviously, she's going around again and everyone's going to be really excited. I wouldn't be surprised if that narrative follows us again throughout this season, but we know that she is probably is looking to step away in the next season or so. Um, we know that she's expanding into coaching and we know that she's has alluded to the fact that she's going to be on her way out relatively soon. So I think that this will be a different season for the Ds because I think they really will be focusing on that succession planning side of things. When you look at people like um, Kate Hoare, for example, um, like it's just the way that they have learnt to develop particularly their midfield again their midfield is just so strong and um, when you look at their new leadership group I think that they still they still have that depth and um, I think they're going to be absolutely I think they're just going to have that passion which probably sounds a bit rudimentary but I think that they're going to have a, a lot of um, I suppose that mental fire to do well um, yeah I mean they've, they've Libby Birch um, is just unstoppable and I think that they're really going to be looking to um, to go on again and I wouldn't be surprised if they if they make it to the granny again. I was gonna say, sometimes the rudimentary answer really is the right one, like the obvious one really does work and it feels that way for this team. Again, just looking through the names like Paxman, Hall, Harris, both Pierces, Bannon, Birch, Mithen, Hanks, Zach, like, all of these players are known quantities and they're bloody good. So just I like that idea of them having that final push for Daisy. I am curious on your thoughts, though. So as we spoke about, there's kind of been the very, very short off-season, if we can even call it an off-season, like you said. I think for a lot of teams the question is going to be, has this really short off-season helped or hindered? Do you think it's helped or hindered the Ds? It's interesting. I think when you look at the Ds, they're a team that um, obviously they've been in the competition for longer than 
a lot of the other teams that we'll be seeing, um, they've got a lot of experience. And whether it's footy experience or just that general intel, um, their coaching cohort is really experienced. Um, and as you said, all of those players that you just mentioned have years of footy under their belt. And I really don't think that that can be um, dispelled. I think, um, I mean, they won't have Eliza McNamara, which um, I thought Eliza McNamara was a really, really exciting player last season. Um, so it looks like uh, Alyssa Bannon will be coming in um, into that space for her. And I think that will be something really exciting to watch too. Um, but I think that for people like the Ds who have that game experience and they're used to juggling so many different things, they've all got full-time jobs, they're, they're so used to um, living this sort of double life that the AFLW players have to, and I think that that experience probably lends itself to the players that have done it before, even though it's such a short season. I think there's a lot of other teams that are totally in tatters in terms of expansion they've been raided by other sides and also um, riddled with ACLs and, and sort of season ending, ending injuries which this year means two season injuries not one um, and I think the D's are probably one of the sides that have managed to escape that so um, I think that they'll actually be okay. If I can have just one wish for this second season just fewer ACLs like I know like ACL zero is not possible but just fewer would be really really nice considering how awful last season was but as you mentioned with expansion raids it's a really good segue to talk about our next team the Brisbane Lions who have just always copped really heavy raids when it came to expansion sides um and yet they have continued to be a really successful team in spite of that. Um, it was really interesting reading uh, an article on women's.afl with Craig Stasevich and how he was saying that it was almost like a, a change of pace to, for the Lions to not have been raided in this expansion period because they have been hit so heavily in past seasons. And I thought it was really interesting that he was talking about the relief he felt that he was able to keep this group of players together because obviously they're doing good things and capable of good things. But he also said he felt a little bit of guilt because some of the offers for these players, for your M Bateses and your Oliver O'Dwyers, were unbelievable. And I, felt, I found it really interesting that he felt guilt towards these players and keeping them here. But he's hoping that premiership success and a long career at the Lions will, you know, help these players and hopefully maybe soften any sort of financial blows they um, have from not going elsewhere and pocketing the money. But they're a really exciting team. There's been minimal movement in and out, so it they look the goods once again. For me, on paper, they have no kind of obvious weak spots similarly to Melbourne and the Crows, but do you think they can taste premiership glory this season? Yeah, definitely. I think um, possibly after some of Craig's comments in the media, people were just too scared to raid the Lions. I think he scared them off um, with his big roar, excuse the pun. So um, in some ways, I guess that combative 
um, attitude may have helped them in some ways. But you're right. I think there's such a strong team. They know that um, they know they can get the job done. And I think um, judging by sort of how relatively compared to the other teams, um, unchanged their list is, I think that um, they're probably really, really happy and excited that they've possibly got an advantage over a lot of the other teams. Um, and I don't know if that comes from we're both coming from this Victorian bubble. And I don't know if a lot of the players just want to stay at home and you know, I was um, pretty impressed that M Bates decided to stay with the Lions because, as you said, she was being chased down. But I think um, with people like that on your list and, as you say, Ola O'Dwyer, I think um, I definitely think that they'll be hot contenders for sure. Their forward line scares me but in the best kind of way and the fact that they've kept all their players, they've got that perfect mix of talls and smalls. You, Zimmy Parkinson's who I just absolutely loved last season your Jesse Wardlaws Greta Bodie Courtney Courtney Hodder there's just so much to like about this Brisbane side and I I feel really good about their premiership hopes without giving away any sort of predictions but I feel really positive about where they're going and what's ahead for Craig Stasevich's side we'll talk about some of the other contenders for this season another side that's been pretty consistent in terms of making finals and doing good things has been North Melbourne. They finished fourth last season. Again, not too many losses in this trade and expansion period. They've got some phenomenal players. Ash Riddell was an absolute ball magnet last season. Emma Carney and Jazz Garner are known quantities. You know exactly what you're going to get from them. But I thought it was really telling their three losses last season were against Adelaide, Melbourne and Frio. So there seems to be that um, maybe just little disconnect between them and the other contenders this season. So the question is, do they have enough to not only kind of stay in this top four conversation, but go that little bit further and really push for the cup? I don't don't see them as... Uh, contenders for the flag. I certainly think that they will go deep into finals. I mean, when we say deep into finals, it's three weeks finals. So, <laughs> um, but I certainly think that they are contenders, but I don't think for the flag. Um, they have sort of had more movement than I think any of us really expected. But again, they do have some fantastic players. And as you just mentioned, people like Ash Riddell, who are just getting better and better season on season, they clearly have that sort of um, the coaching um, and the approach to helping develop players. Um, Again, I think they've got that succession planning down pat. Obviously, um, losing people like Caitlin Ashmore, I think um, you lose that experience and that consider they have left and particularly their back line. Um, I think it's going to be really, really stable this year. Um, Danny Hardman, Brooke Brown, um, Nicole Bresnahan, Jazz Ferguson, and then, of course, we've got Emma Carney. So, you know, we haven't lost... Um, as many of the key players, but I think it will just be, um, as we mentioned, with people like Melbourne, I think that North won't have that consistency that they've had in past years, but I think their back line is looking really good. So I think um, hopefully they'll be able to defensively fall back on that experience they've still got left. I think that's a really good point, actually. Some of those losses are very big, but... I think just like relative relative to some of the other teams, you would expect them to be higher up the table than lower. 
I realise we've accidentally kind of gone in just last year's ladder order, so we'll just continue with that theme. And Frio were fifth. Again, a team that has had some movement. Gemma Houghton, I suppose, was the real big one. And for me, the really big question with Port, uh, not Port, uh, Frio, has really only emerged in the last few weeks. So obviously we knew that Gemma Houghton was going to Port. Cara Antonio has done her hamstring, so won't be available for a lot of the season. They'll be hoping she can come back quickly. And unfortunately, during the practice matches over the weekend, uh, Ebony Antonio has done something to her knee. We don't know the extent of that injury. So Frio went from having a, a pretty dynamic full forward line and lots of players who can score goals to all of a sudden potentially being without three of their most consistent and really excellent goal scorers. So the question for me is kind of where are their goals coming from? I know Hayley Miller is obviously going to do a lot. I'm hoping she can continue her fantastic form from last season, but where else are the goals coming from? And are these losses enough to kind of derail their season completely? Yeah, look, I think they might be. It's interesting you mentioned Hayley Miller because I think she's probably almost my um, pick. If I was to choose a rising star now, I'd say that she'd be really up there and it was a really, really impressive progression that we saw last season. But, yeah, their losses are significant and it is interesting now that we're talking about um, having a second season in one year, a lot of the time it's dependent on injuries and who they've lost in the traded expansion period. And I think that this is one of the teams that we see is going to be quite affected by that. Um, you know, Antonio's, that, like, that's a really big loss. And um, and hopefully Cara's rehab goes well and, and we can see her back out there. But um, I think, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a bit of a slog. And I think... Um, Possibly it'll be um, it'll be a tough season, I think, and they'll need to rely on some of the players that possibly they haven't. So we might actually see them really shine and we might see some players come through that, that don't always get that time in the spotlight. But um, I think this might be the season with those injuries and the trades that we actually see where the depth lies in their side. Um, so I think that'll be really interesting to watch. I think the really good thing, though, and this definitely applies to West Coast as well, is that at least they won't have border restrictions becoming a factor in their season because it was really rough for both of them last season. So at least that isn't something they have to contend with, although trying to replace those players is not something I would want to deal with. So my best wishes to Trent Cooper trying to figure out how to fix that one. Our final kind of contender, and again, this comes mainly from last season's ladder, is Collingwood. The anterior cruciate ligament was not kind to Collingwood's midfield last season. It claimed Bray Davey in the first round and it claimed Britt Benici as well, who had really stepped up and made a huge mark on that season, particularly in Davey's absence. So who who's filling the gaps of Davey and Benici? Because they're big shoes to fill and it's bad enough having to replace one but having to replace both seems like almost too big a task for the pies so who do you see kind of filling these midfield gaps for the pies 
Yeah, look, it's interesting. Collingwood, I don't make it a secret that I love the Collingwood side. I think they are, I, I think they're underestimated. And although they've made finals three times, they've never quite been able to get to the big dance. And I think that that must be a source of, of real heartbreak for them. Um, and, I mean, we know two years ago that it was literally just a ball bouncing the wrong side of the line that put them between between that and, and potentially a flag. So I think, um, as you say, it hasn't been a kind um, well, first 2022 season and off season for Collingwood. I think missing Brie Davey, missing Britt Benici, Ash Brazel, she's just won a gold medal at the Com Games and she's not sure if she's coming back to play yet. They, they haven't actually got any intel on that just yet. Um, it certainly would appear, if I was a betting person, that um, she won't be there for the start of the season. So, again, it's that depth, it's that experience that they're missing. But having said that, um, we've got Ruby Slasher, we've got Sarah Rowe, um, and we've got some really, really strong runners in those girls. And I think um, I think that it, there will definitely, definitely be time for people, like particularly Ruby, to step up. I know she's in the leadership group now, and I think that that will be a really important um, opportunity for players like that to really step up and, and see what they can do. And I think um, as much as I think Collingwood are a fantastic side, I think sometimes they really do rely too heavily on the likes of Brie Davey. So this might actually be the best thing that happened to them. I'm sorry, Brie, I don't want to say that, but it might be a real opportunity for them. Um, and you know, I know they've still got Brie um, doing a lot of coaching and, and working alongside them. So um, she's really, really invaluable in that side of things. So I think they'll be okay. Um, I don't see them making the finals this year, though, um, which is a bit of a spicy prediction. But um, I just I, I don't see it happening with um, with the amount of, um, I suppose, um, what's the word I'm looking for? adjusting that they'll need to do with their missing players. I did say it was a spicy take to you pre-record that you don't think they'll be playing finals, but like hearing your justifications, I do see where you're coming from. Because my other thought then is just particularly with the the midfield situation. So, yes, there are players, Ysera Rose, Jamie Lambert, I think is going to play a really important role this season. But if you do bring a Ruby Slasher forward or there was, I think, a little bit of talk of maybe Chloe Malloy dropping back, maybe that will fix the midfield, but then all of a sudden you don't have a Slasher down back or a Malloy up forward. So those areas of the whole structure kind of suffer. So I feel like it's almost a situation of they just don't have enough puzzle pieces to make the picture work this season. Um, but assuming everyone kind of comes back to full fitness, I reckon 2023 could be a very different proposition. But let's continue. Let's talk about some of the other sides. Let's talk about your Blues. It's been an interesting couple of seasons for them. I don't know if that's controversial to say, but I feel like it's been an interesting couple of seasons to them. I feel like they've just lost a lot of players a lot of the top, like it feels like there's been a lot of turnover for them over these last few seasons. So how do you see them dealing with these losses? Because there has been a lot of turnover in this off season as well. Yeah, look, if you look at the men's and the women's season, it's um, it's a pretty 
frustrating time to be a blue supporter. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think you're right. We've, we've definitely been, um, I don't like to use the word rated because I know it gets bandied around a lot, but I am supportive of expansion teams taking on experienced players. But I do think that the loss of Prosparkis and Georgia G especially, I think we're going to really notice that. Um, and just in terms of, um, again, that just the, the fitness, the game knowledge, all of that sort of stuff that um, doesn't necessarily, it's, it's not dependent on, on where they play on the field. It's dependent on them having that experience on um, being able to deliver in tough games and, and also particularly for, for people like G and Prasparkas, you really get the impression that they're a really good um, vibe around the club. And I think things like that definitely affect on-field performance. And I think if you've had players um, like Prasparkas who've been around for a long time and are really sort of part of the tapestry of the club, you would feel that loss. And um, I think it will be really, really interesting to see them line up against Essendon. Um, but Look, I think I don't think we're going to see a huge momentum shift from the Blues this season, but I certainly think that um, we we do have things to look forward to, and we've like we've still got McWilliams, we've still got Vessio, and we've got all of all of that sort of experience. Um, and I think that our forward line is progressively getting stronger, in my opinion. So I I don't see us as contenders, but I certainly think um, there's room for growth, which is exciting. Um, and again, like I said before, um, with some of the other teams, I think it's probably a really good opportunity for us to see people come through and really take that opportunity where they can. And Mimi Hill was super exciting last season. And so I think we'll only see her grow. And so I think to enable the space for people like that to step in, um, I think, yeah, we might see some real growth. I'm glad you mentioned Mimi Hill because she was the one that I wanted to highlight. Just It was such a good season. It was such a good story as well. The ACL comeback only played six games but was averaging about 21 disposals, almost three marks a game, three tackles a game, three clearances. She was just so good and in only six games did enough to win the Rising Star. So I am so excited at the prospect of her having a full pre-season, completely healthy touch wood and then a full season to just kind of show us all what she can do again. So I am very excited to see Mimi Hill. And I do agree with you. There's still, there's like little chunks of Carlton that seem really good and really exciting and you can kind of see where the team could be in the future. It's just not happening right now, unfortunately. So one of the other sides that I feel like showed glimpses just not nearly often enough last season were Geelong and they became a little bit of a almost a second team for me because I just I wanted them to do well from memory they had a shocking 2021 so there was that real underdog I want you to at least taste some sort of happiness in the first 2022 season and they did manage two wins they had those moments where they were almost there. There were a couple of close-ish losses, but the, the same sort of problems kind of plagued the Cats for most of last season. So I'm really interested to see how they kind of progress or if they can progress because, as we've mentioned a couple of times now, this short off-season, we're really going to find out how quickly 
teams can gel, how much time a team actually needs to improve on things they learned from last season or areas that needed to be fixed from last season. So I feel like Geelong absolutely falls into that category. And unfortunately, I have no idea which way the the dice are going to fall for them. But again, there's still a lot of, there's things to like about this Geelong side. Meg McDonald is an absolute rock and I love her. And this is going to sound really dumb, but there's something about a player in pigtails where I'm just like, you shouldn't be hard as nails in pigtails. <laughs> it, just, it, it messes with my mind, but she is so phenomenal, an absolute, an absolute rock down the back. I still love their young midfield. I remember last season in our preview, I said all I wanted for Geelong was Nina Morrison to have a healthy season. I maintain that I still want Nina Morrison to have a healthy season and I'm really excited to see what she can do. I want to see more of Georgie Prosparkis because we know that the Prosparkis girls can play footy and I want to see more of Georgie. And speaking of Georgie, actually, I think that's another really interesting thing with this season. The first-year players who are now playing their second season, I really am keen to see how much, um, yeah, how much they've improved, how much better they are than this most recent draft class because there isn't, I suppose, that much difference in age. The only difference is that they've all had a full AFLW season under their belt. So really keen to see how Georgie Prosparkis goes about it. Amy McDonald in midfield as well is one of the Cats' best um, consistently winning their best and fairest. So there's lots of bits and pieces that I do like about Geelong. I'd like to see how their mid, not their midfield, their forward line goes because I feel like a lot of the time it was kind of get it to Phoebe McWilliams and see if she can do something with it and that really wasn't working for them a lot of the time last season. So really keen to see who else can kind of pop up in that forward line? They've got some good ins in the likes of uh, Parry and Scott. Chloe Shears already there as well. So I'm hopeful that they can find more goals, but I just I don't know if they've had enough time to actually get this thing going. Any quick thoughts about Geelong and how you see them doing this season? Yeah, I think it's an interesting point you make about the likes of Georgie Pasparkas, of um, those first-year players that technically are still in their first year but uh, will be in their second season. And it'll be really interesting to see if they experience any sort of burnout. And I think Geelong might be one of the teams, um, if we do see it widespread, it'll be interesting to see how Geelong go with that. But, yes, you're right, it'll be interesting to see the difference between them and, and the new recruits. But um, I think Chloe Shear is going to be really exciting to watch as always. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, I think we probably haven't had enough time for them to um, really become contenders for the flag. I'm, I'm not confident that we'll see that, but um, I certainly think that in terms of injury, in terms of player movement, I think these guys have been relatively lucky um, and I think that um, that hopefully that puts them in, in good stead with a bit of stability. I feel like another team that falls into this sort of category is Richmond. I really like their inclusions. I feel like who they have recruited plugs any sort of little holes that have popped up for them. But I suppose the question then becomes again, have they had enough time to gel and improve? Are we going to see them sort of just relying on Mon Conti in the midfield and Katie Brennan just 
not missing ever kind of thing. How do you see Richmond going this season? Yeah, I actually said this the other day and was met with um, a bit of resistance. I'm actually really excited about Richmond this year. I think the improvement that we saw last year, I think we're going to keep seeing it. And um, something that I really liked about that improvement was that we were seeing it from players that um, have come through the system, they've developed. um, And, you know, from the first season of the Tigers where barely could win the ball to, you know, slowly but surely we were seeing player improvement and didn't necessarily correlate to winning games, but it certainly correlated to player confidence. You could definitely see in their body language um, and even in just um, the way that they played the game, there was definitely more confidence there and, and they knew that they could get the job done. So I'm really excited to see where this where this goes this season. Unfortunately, they had a couple of ACLs as well. But like I said, I feel like they have managed to find at least suitable replacements for Harriet Cordner and Hannah Birchall. So, I again, they're another one where in the future I like where the look of this team is going, but I just don't think it's happening in this season. All right, we're halfway through the teams. It's an absolute marathon now with 18, but let's keep moving. Let's talk a little bit about the Saints. It's kind of funny, I guess, because the big talking point last season was the fact that Georgia Petrikios wouldn't play for them, wasn't able to play for them, and all of the kind of discussion was how are they going to accommodate her absence, how are they going to go without her in the midfield, And now, thanks to the change in the league's vaccine mandates, the question is kind of reversed. It's all about Georgia Petrikios's return. And I did say in our notes, I feel like this is a bit of a a loaded question. I feel like it's unfair to put the, the hopes and dreams of a team solely on one player's shoulders. But does the return of Georgia Petrikios actually change the fortunes of the Saints this season? I think it definitely helps. Um, it'll be interesting to see um, how she comes back, really, because um, obviously she was so focal um, for them. But um, it's been a while, so it'll be interesting to see if she's still the same kind of player that we remember her as um, and also to see how that pressure of all of us talking about her return, uh, whether she can handle that, because you're right, there is there is a lot of pressure on her. Um We've lost Tilly Lucas Rod, and um, obviously that is is a huge loss. Um, again, just in terms of the leadership, the um, sort of game thinking style, all of that. I think that's that's going to be a real um, adjustment. I think for the side, um, but particularly like Nicola Zenos, I think is a really exciting player um, and really consistent, which I think is really exciting for the Saints. Um, yeah, so I think there's definitely some fantastic players, but it will be interesting to see how they gel because, in my opinion, that's where the Saints often lose out is it's not that they don't have really um, talented players. It's that I feel they don't quite seem to get the game style right and gel as a side. So it'll be interesting with those ins and outs how um, how they sort of gel like that. So um, I'm I'm quietly optimistic for the Saints, I think. I think it's a really good point, though, because, again, you look through their list and you look at, you know, someone like Hannah Priest down back really, you know, I was going to say lead from the front, but led from the back as captain. 
I'm thinking about the inclusion of Nick Stevens. That really excites me and how she goes in the forward line with the likes of a Caitlin Greiser and stuff. So there's lots of, I really do feel like I'm repeating myself with some of these teams, but there's lots of little bits and bobs to kind of like. It's really just about how it comes together. And I think we all, I think we all expect, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm putting words in people's mouth. I do think Patrikios will kind of just come back into it and kind of slot seamlessly. I just don't know if that it's in itself is enough to kind of have this team gelling and anywhere near the eight, to be honest. Um, another team I'm unsure will be anywhere near the eight, although I don't think it is their time, are the Giants. They They were a real mixed bag last season. They were a little bit confusing they would have really you know weird losses and then would beat the dogs and it was just like it was just a really weird season for the Giants but it's basically new season new faces new coach new game plan is everything new going to actually be good in your opinion I'm really excited about the coaching side of things for the Giants. Um, I had the pleasure of interviewing Cam Bernsconi recently and firstly just seems like a really decent human, which is a, always a great way to start. Um, he actually coached Sally Goldsworthy uh, briefly in the academy and so it's a really serendipitous meet again um, to have the new coach and, and the new draftee because um, I think all eyes will be on Zali. Um, it's a really exciting prospect for them. Um, she's still going to be living in Albury, still going to be finishing year 12 while flying back and forth to Sydney to, to train, which we're going to see a fair bit again for the first time this season because um, it is that that mid-year sort of intake. So it's going to be interesting to see how not only her but other players across the league balance that that year 12, um, those challenges as well, because the reality is it's, uh, of course, we don't see it in the men's, but also um, there isn't that that straight progression. They've got to learn to balance until it becomes a full-time job. They've got to learn to balance the rest of their lives too. So it's almost, it's going to be definitely a baptism of fire for them, but I'm very excited about the coaching side of things. Um, Cam was really, really ecstatic about um, the way that they've gelled as a coaching cohort. Um, And they're really excited about the way that the girls have all gelled early on. So I think when we look at people like, um, you know, like Georgia Garnett and and Cora Staunton. I think, you know, Cora Staunton is just, I think, underestimated, obviously one of the best players in the league and um, I think sometimes flies under the radar. So I think um, goal-kicking, like the, the, we, we just need to to focus on her because I think that's going to be a really, a really huge aspect to their game. Um but similarly, I think it's going to be mixing that um, that experience and that game knowledge with the new draftees and seeing whether they can really marry that up um, to create something really exciting because they do have they do have a mixed bag in there. But um, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see them anywhere near um, the top half of the ladder. But I think that it might be the first sort of um, the first stepping stone into what could be a really really good succession period. So we'll see. We certainly will see. I'm glad you mentioned Cora because it feels like their game plan for the last couple of seasons has just been route one to Cora. If Cora's scoring, 
we might be in with a chance and if she's not scoring, heaven help us. So it's been really pleasing from a Giants perspective to see that in their practice matches, in the simulations, in the intra-clubs, they have been scoring. So I think on the weekend, their practice match, Cora had two, Hanin Zrika had two, Chloe Dalton had one, Goldsworthy scored as well. And then you've got people like Jess Doyle and Nick Barr. So I feel like perhaps the spread of goal kickers might not be as big of an issue for the Giants as it has been in the past, but I do agree. I think this one's a bit of a building season for the Giants. The team they played on the weekend, they got that one-point win in the practice match, was the Bulldogs. So let's talk about the Bulldogs. We love a good segue here. Um, I feel like their 2022, the first one, uh, season, they they copped some real spanners in the works. There was all these awful injuries. They had the COVID outbreak. They were playing a ridiculous amount of games in a ridiculous amount of time. They weren't the only ones, but it does feel like they they drew the short straw when it came to how that season panned out. But it also does feel a little bit like the the game time that was put into some of their young players, and you would assume the resilience built from a season like that could actually hold them in good stead for this season 2022. How are you feeling about the Dogs? Initially, I was a bit worried for the Dogs. Um, I think the loss of um, Izzy Huntington and obviously Bonnie Toogood, um, that's a real hit for the Dogs. But at the same time, they don't strike me as a side that um, sort of mentally rely too heavily on on one player and they have they have been a good side since inception in my opinion um a lot of it I think has come down to to that mental strength and you're right they've taken a lot of hits in the last couple of years um but I don't feel like they've ever really let that get on top of them I think they've they've managed to stay pretty positive and and they they don't seem to really have any drama that possibly some of the other teams have undergone with player movements and and all of that sort of stuff so um Again, they've had a lot of player movement this um, this draft and trade period, but um, it doesn't seem like there's been any bad blood and, and people have been really, um, really happy to support each other in those movements. So um, Bonnie and, and Izzy are um, obviously big losses, but um, don't forget we've got Gabby Newton coming back um, and that's a really, really exciting prospect for them. I think um, it can be tricky once you haven't seen someone play for a while, it can be tricky to imagine sort of how they slot back into that side. But um, I'm really excited to see Gabby. Um, she's just like the size of her and um, how good she is in attack. I don't think that can be underestimated. Um, and people like Isabel Pritchard and, and Ellie Bennett, who, again, I think they sort of tend to fly under the radar, but they're just consistent players. They're there all the time. They're really quick. Um, and I think that's what the doggies might need this season. If we want to talk about consistency in the dogs, we really can't go past Ellie Blackburn and Kirsty Lamb. I'm expecting big things from them again this season, especially Lamb, because she was, again, we want to talk about players going under the radar. It felt like she's been that good for ages. It was just last season she did that little bit extra where all of a sudden everyone was like, Kirsty Lamb, wow, amazing, love her. So really excited to see how they go and if they can kind of continue to level up. I do have Lamb in my sort of BNF conversations because 
I just think her season was too good to ignore. But let's talk a little bit about Gold Coast. They've There's been a lot of movement up in Queensland. They've got an incredibly young list and for me, this season seems to be a, a bit of a development one for the Gold Coast. I feel like they copped the Brisbane treatment where they lost five players to Port and two players to the Hawks. So they really did get raided, to use that cliche. There's still a couple of bright sparks, but I'm not expecting them to to do anything this season. Are you? No, I don't think so. Um <laughs> Very harsh. Um, I think Alison Drennan, Charlie Rowbottom, Rowbottom, sorry, are um, really consistent and and exciting players. But I don't see any huge standouts. Um, sort of anything really of note for this season. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they go. But um, I don't see any huge changes for this season. Honestly, if anything, I see regression but I'm hoping it's a kind of a couple steps back to really launch forward for them I am really excited to see Tara Bahana though I thought she was really sensational last season a great story but we know that she worked so well with the likes of Sarah Perkins and Kate Sermon but now that both of those players are gone it's going to be really interesting to see who is supporting her up top if we head over to the other coast west coast I feel like it's going to be a little copy and pasting of our answers here because they did not have a good time in the first season, 2022, bottom of the ladder, one win. Again, lots of movement on this list, 15 new players. It's a complete overhaul, lots of regeneration. Are they doing any, are they even winning a game this season or is that too harsh a question to ask? I find it hard to predict with that much player movement. Um, I think we're going to have to see some some big shift in the way they play the game, um, whether that's um, in a good or a bad way, I don't know. Um, but I certainly um, think that their game style needs shifting up and inevitably that's going to happen with 15 new players on the list. So um, I don't see, again, it's really hard to predict with that much movement, but I don't see um, anything changing dramatically for these guys. Um, but um, I think it will be interesting interesting to see where these new players slot in and, and how many they play or whether they choose to keep them on the bench for the beginning and, and slowly progress people in. It'll be really interesting to see how they decide to sort of incorporate such a huge change in the playing group. So it will be an interesting one to, to watch. It really will be, so it might be a little bit of pain for West Coast fans, at least for this season, but again, there's that hope that uh, pain now leads to gain later. That's all the teams we know, which means we need to move on to the expansion sides. And Sarah and I were talking about it and we were like, we have absolutely nothing to base any of the following takes on because... We, we don't know how these teams are going to go. So it's actually really exciting, um, but it, it's, it's going to be a little bit interesting to preview teams that we've kind of never seen in any sort of, in any sort of real kind of match situation. But it is so exciting, not only for these players, for these clubs and for the fans of these teams who have never been able to call 
you know, a team their own in the AFLW. It's so exciting. So let's preview the four expansion clubs. We'll start with the Hawks. Huge, huge um, team, obviously. We've got the the game against Essendon. It has been moved to Marvel. So it's going to be a really grand occasion, not only for the Hawks, but for the Bombers. But the Hawks have relied quite heavily on their VFLW program. Beck Goddard knows what she's doing. And I was thinking about this. She knows how to, you know, do an inaugural side. She's done pretty well with a a first up team going back to 2017. Obviously the circumstances are a little bit different there, but what are you liking about the Hawks and what are you a little bit worried about, I suppose, for the Hawks? I think the Hawks is an interesting one because as you say, they have relied pretty heavily on their VFLW side. Um, which I think is quite admirable, to be honest. And they have had a really strong VFLW side for a long time. So it makes sense that they would continue that natural progression. Um, They've picked up some some really good players um, like Caitlin Ashmore. Um, We mentioned that she's a real loss for North and I think she's going to be a real asset for the Hawks. Um, And they've also picked up some other players that um, have possibly been on the outer for some time. Um, we've got a catch um, who's had onto a third club now and, and clearly, clearly has that, um, that real drive to keep playing. And I think there's a few people like that, that um, they've just got that real passion and they're really, really excited to be playing not only footy but playing for the Hawks. And I think that we're going to see that, that coming through. Um, as we mentioned earlier with the Saints, um, Tilly Lucas-Rod, um, is now with the Hawks. That's going to be um, really good in terms of, of experience. Um, Jazz Fleming, um, really impressive draft pick um, and from a, a pretty impressive pedigree. Um, her Both of her parents were um, elite athletes, so um, she's continuing that, that tradition. Um, but I think that it'll be interesting. I don't see them, and again, as you said, we can't really base this on anything. Um, we, there was a practice match on the weekend and I don't really see the Hawks as, as being really up there. But they they do have people like Kate McCarthy, Tamara Luke. So, um, again, there's that experience. There's that um, sort of more mature um, approach to footy and maybe that's what they need and, and maybe they'll just build up for a couple of years and then and then really make their mark. Um, so, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. What do you think? My brain is telling me that mix of kind of youth and experience is a good thing. It's what most of the expansion teams have aimed for, but it it really is about just how it comes together because it really could be just some of the, the expansion teams really fly and some of them are just nowhere near it. I do... I like the the known quantities that the Hawks have picked up. I think Lucas Rod had a sensational season for the Saints, so I'm really keen to see her continue that in brown and gold and to see what the, the leadership responsibilities, the captaincy does for her game as well. Highly rate Kate Ashmore. I think she's an absolutely sensational player. So it really is just about how these known quantities and these unknown quantities come together, but also... Uh, if any team was to do well, I, j- I really trust Bet Goddard to know what she's doing and to get this team, maybe not going from the start, but hitting a really nice um, 
level at some point in this season because I just think she's such an excellent coach. I did say that they had relied quite heavily on their VFLW program and that's a nice segue to talk about Essendon because obviously there was a lot of hype around them, particularly from Essendon fans. They were sensational in the VFLW, won the premiership. A fair few of their players have now been elevated to the AFLW list and there was a lot of hype around Essendon as an expansion side. It felt like they really came out with the big name signings and it was, you know, really huge moves that, um, you know, Prosparcus to Essendon was a a really big deal and I feel like too good as well maybe to a, a slightly lesser extent. So it does feel like of all the expansion sides, probably it's Essendon and Port that have the most hype. Do you think the Bombers can live up to this hype? Yeah, I think the Bombers is a really interesting one. Um, I think their list is pretty impressive, to be honest. I think the recruiters have done really well, as you say. Prosparcus, which kills my Carlton soul. Um, Bonnie Toogood, um, obviously just one of the most elite players there is. But when you look at who else they've got on the list, we've got Daria Bannister, Sophie Alexander, Georgia G, again, kills my Carlton soul, Jess Wooshner, and then... In the back line, we've got Elise Gamble and Kat Phillips. And I just think that um, that's a pretty impenetrable back line, in my opinion. And I just think that um, you're right. Out of all of the expansion sides, if this team can gel um, from a team perspective, um, they've got the talent in there. It'll just be it'll just be how they play the game together. So um, I'm really, I'm very, very excited about, about Essendon. In my mind, and again, this is based on absolutely nothing because we don't know much about these sides. Besides the practice match that I attended, I was down at the hangar watching them take on port. I feel like Essendon maybe has the potential to be a bit of a chaos side where they score a lot of goals, but they also concede a lot of goals. So it becomes a little bit of a a shootout, uh, particularly against the more well-established clubs that know what they're doing I see them maybe dominating the other expansion sides but yeah I part of me is like I can envision a little bit of of chaos from this Essendon side but not necessarily in a bad way because if you're kicking more goals than the Yoppo you know that's how you win games so it's not necessarily the worst Um, a bit of chaos is all right (laughs) exactly that's what I'm I'm seeing from them and um like I said, there's just some some really good players on this list. I will say, though, really devastated for Georgia Dansgorn. She was the captain of the VFLW side and did her ACL in that VFLW grand final. So really unfortunate timing. Not that there's ever a good time to do your knee, but really disappointed that we won't get to see her this season. But hopefully 2023, it's her time. Let's move on to Port. Like I said, I feel like they're the other team that has a lot of hype around them um, from the four expansion teams. And let's be honest, a lot of that has to do with the Erin Phillips narrative. It's become its own thing. I'm sure you saw the, the vision of her and her dad and they're taking the photo with the jumper and it's the number one and Greg's like, 
does this mean what I think it means? And he's crying and she's crying. And I love that he said it was a shock. And I'm like, you are the only person who was shocked that Aaron Phillips was given the captaincy of Port Adelaide. Like, it wasn't a shock. Come like, on. <laughs> come on. As if he didn't know. It, ma- it made me laugh. But it was a, a really beautiful moment. But I suppose beyond the Erin Phillips storyline, because we know that she's sensational and she's going to do well wherever she goes, beyond Erin Phillips, what do you see from this port side? Well, I'm a firm believer um, that you can't rely on one player for a team. And But I am, and I know I said to you before we started recording, um, you thought it was one of my spicy predictions, but I'm really excited about Port. Um, and I think that they've they've got the list to, to go really far in this season. Um, I think the fact that they've got a really strong team supporting Erin Phillips means that she can stay where she needs to stay. They can keep her in the attacking line as much as they want. But the reality is you can't, unless you can get the ball there, then then you're not going to be able to convert. So um, I think the fact that they're going to be able to keep her where she needs to be, um, but they've got Indy Taho, Ange Foley, like that defence, the rebounding of Sarah Goodwin, I think, all of that's going to be um, going to be really crucial in actually getting it to Erin. But I also think um, that Erin is probably getting to that point in her career where she understands that she needs to help with that leadership progression and that that she knows that she can't be the star of the show forever. Um, and she strikes me as someone with that level of um, of knowledge that she'll help share it around. So I think. Um, obviously her game style will be fantastic, but I think it'll also just be her knowledge of, of elite sport. And I think that's something super, super valuable for an expansion team um, when really you're, you're starting from um, the ground up and to have someone that's that's done almost the complete opposite is going to be really fantastic. But, yeah, I'm really excited about Gemma Horton um, being there and, and uh, Lauren Arnell as coach is really exciting. That's um, a huge win, I think, for the AFLW community. It shows progression and it shows that um, there really are those coaching pathways. So um, they're just a few of the things I'm really excited about for Port. I'm really glad you mentioned Lauren because I feel like for me, if we're talking about starting a team from scratch, you really want people who will be like instant culture builders. And I feel like in Lauren Arnell as the coach, you have that. And obviously Aaron Phillips as your captain, you have that. So even if they don't follow through on your prediction and vie for finals and stuff, I feel like whatever they build this season is going to be really strong based solely on who they have appointed as captain and coach because I just think those two women are really going to set the tone for what could be a really successful club in the future and um, a, a club that can really maintain that success as well based on what they do in this first season. So really keen to see how they go. Our final expansion side are the Swans. And we were talking about it pre-record and we said, have we gone full Victorian bias or is it just a thing of out of all the expansion sides, Sydney seemed to have generated the least hype? And uh, I've put it the question as are they flying under the radar or is there actually not that much to be excited about for the Swans, barring the obvious excitement from Swans fans at finally getting to see their team play? 
I think it's a bit of both. Um, I think I certainly am guilty of being a bit too Victorian focused, um, which I'm not actually all that keen to admit, but um, I think it is the truth. Um, we are in a bit of a bubble here. Um, but I also think that the Swans, um, outside of Montana Ham, in terms of, um, of the draft picks, um, I haven't heard a whole heap of swell about um, some of the recruits. So I think that's probably um, one one aspect of it um but I think they have gained some experience too you know we've got Alicia Newman Maddie Collier and Sarah Dargan um I think Sarah's going to be a fantastic addition um she's been playing really well with the Tigers and I think that that's going to be fantastic um and Alicia Newman um you know I think she's slowly developing um I think um it's been really nice to see her um, get some runs on the board and, and, and slowly build that up. And I think that um, having that experience under your belt, again, is just so important for an expansion side. Um, and I think it'll be nice to have players that have that um, Victorian competitive experience and bring that to um, an interstate team. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think we have heard enough swell about it. Um, and maybe we should maybe we should be giving them some more airtime, but it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see how they um, level up against GWS as well. That derby game is going to be very, very interesting. With the Swans, I'm really keen to see how their academy players go, not only for this season, obviously, but just as a talent production line in the future, because I always respected that they didn't apply for the licence because they wanted to set up their pathways. And we already know that there has been some success, but for the Giants with Jess Doyle heading over there, but really excited to see their New South Wales talent and how they can continue to develop the New South Wales talent because it could be just this really rich pool that they get to, you know, pick from all the time. So keen to see how the Swans go. Montana Ham as well. Scott Gowans was just singing her praises, which of course you would if you've picked her as your number one draft pick, but said, absolutely a beast at the contested footy can play forward can play midfield quite tall as well and will be able to use her anywhere sort of so that versatility bodes well for the swans and really keen to see how she goes but that's all of our team so let's wrap this thing up with some quick fire predictions it is Literally always fun to predict things, and by that I mean they always make me look silly. So let's have a look at what we think is going to happen for this season. So one word answer, premiers. Lions. I say lions too. We're not meant to do the same. (laughs) Who's getting the spoon? Hawks. I have Sydney. I know I talk them up a little bit, but I do have Sydney. (laughs) Uh, Best and fairest winner. Astrodale. And Hatchard. Our leading okay. goal kicker. Cora Staunton. That's interesting. I've got Katie Brennan. I just think she's I'd gonna... like to see. I'd like to see that. I think <laughs> she's just gonna keep kicking them. And then yeah. rising star. Georgie Prasparkas. 
I also have Georgie Prasparkas and we spoke about it a little bit in... We should have corroborated before we recorded. We've had enough differences that it's okay. I swear to God, last season, we the three of us basically said the same thing over and over again. But that is our preview. We cannot wait for the season to start. Out of the round one fixtures, which one are you looking forward to the most? I'd have to say grand final rematch, I think. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. Norwood Oval uh, on uh, the 26th, it's going to be really exciting to see uh, the Crows and Melbourne match up. And there's something really exciting about doing a grand final rematch in round one. It's sort of uh, probably just going to feel a bit like it, um, it never stopped, which it barely did. It was just a slight pause. But I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a nice cyclical nature and I think it's going to just get everyone straight back into it. So I'm excited. What about you? I, I cannot wait for that game and I think it's going to be a really good indicator of where those two teams are at because we've rated them so highly in this preview. I kind of can't go past a Carlton Collingwood opener, but I am also really looking forward to that Essendon Hawks game. And I really hope that Marvel is absolutely filled to the brim and it becomes this really huge occasion. So would encourage you to go and buy some tickets and go watch some footy, but that's all from us today. Remember, you can uh, find all our AFLW content on ESPN.com.au. We will have our top 20 players to watch list out shortly. We'll have some other previews, some predictions from the entire ESPN team. So there's plenty to look forward to, but we cannot wait to talk to you more about some footy as the season progresses. So we'll chat then. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod wherever you get your podcasts.